This, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Liv Oaf. Today, we're bringing you a story in the style of a television courtroom drama, complete with snide police officers and suspenseful cross-examination. First up in the evidence locker, the mother of all onion rings. In the inaugural episode of the 2019 podcast season, we're proud to call Lauren Seaback to the stand. Whoa. It's as big as a donut. Amy and I marveled at the onion ring. It was grand in its size. It was the summer before my junior year of high school, and Amy, my younger sister by 18 months, and I had just left an evening softball game. Gear in the back seat and trunk, cleats on the floor, and Adidas sandals on our feet. We'll meet you at home, I told my mom and dad. I think we're going to stop by Dairy Queen on our way. It was a sticky July night in Hobart, a small town in northwest Indiana. After a quick stop at the DQ for a medium order of onion rings, we were headed home. Windows down, Ella Fitzgerald's only you underscoring our ride. And here we are, sitting at a stop sign at the corner of Wisconsin and 8th Street, gazing at the largest, thickest onion ring I had ever seen. We sat there for 10 seconds before returning the onion ring to the bag. I start to drive, now going over the Wisconsin Street Bridge, passing over Lake George. The bridge is small, and if there's no traffic, you can pass over it within 30 seconds. I'm cruising along, windows down, when I see police lights come on behind me. I begin to pull over to the side to let them pass and quickly realize that I am being pulled over. Confused, I start to drive over the bridge to park in a gas station nearby. And now the sirens are on and I am mortified and perplexed. Is a taillight out? Do I have a flat tire that I don't realize? I pull into the Marathon gas station, put my car in park and turn off Ella. The hum of the engine is still rattling underneath. A middle-aged, off-duty cop in gym shorts and a t-shirt gets out of the car. I roll my window down as he approaches. Evening, he says. Hello, officer. Do you know why I pulled you over? He asks. No. You ran through a stop sign, license and registration, please. I hand him both and watch him walk back to his car. He's not alone. Sitting in the passenger seat is a woman about his age, laughing. Are they laughing at me? I think to myself as I start to cry, this feeling of shame creeping over my body. Hey, it's okay, Lou, my sister says. Maybe he'll just give you a warning. I look at her and nod. I didn't run through a stop sign. I know, she says. I was there. He eventually comes back, my license and registration in one hand and a ticket in the other. I hope you know that I could have given you seven different tickets, but I'm only going to give you this one. Maybe if you weren't gabbing with your girlfriend and listening to your music so loud, you would have seen that stop sign. Have a good night. I watch him drive away. My hands are shaking as I clutch the ticket, and I sit there crying at a dark gas station. Amy comforts me until I have pulled myself together enough to get us home. 
Now this happened half a lifetime ago. 16-year-old Lauren is a lot like 32-year-old Lauren. If you like me now, you would have probably liked me then. I was, and still am, what society would label a good person. I was most certainly not a rule breaker. At five years old, my favorite goodbye was, drive safe, buckle up. <laughs> this officer, with his authority and self-righteousness and mansplaining a term, 16-year-old Lauren did not know, but a feeling that has always been familiar rocked my world. No one, and I mean no one, had ever talked to me like that. Hot tears stream down my cheeks as I drive us home, my house less than three minutes away from the gas station. As I pull into the driveway, I can tell that my parents have been worrying. It had taken us far longer to get home than it should have. As soon as the car is in park, Amy jumps out of the passenger seat to get to my dad first. Dad, Lou got a ticket. She didn't do anything wrong. Believe me, if she had, I would tell you. <laughs> My dad had already made it perfectly clear that Amy would not be getting her driver's license when she turned 16 because of her lack of maturity. Now this would have been a perfect case for her to make. Oh, so Lou can drive and get a ticket, but I can't? But she stayed firmly in my corner. I recap the events to my dad. I show him the onion ring. Dad, this is how I know I didn't run through that stop sign. Amy and I sat there talking about this onion ring for at least 10 seconds. My dad and I immediately put a plan into motion. While it was still fresh in my mind, he insists that I write down everything. And put that onion ring in the freezer, he says. <laughs> it's evidence now. So for the next few months, that onion ring sits in the garage refrigerator, waiting for its day in court. The ticket arrives in early fall with instructions to either pay it in full or wait for a hearing. I appear in court a month later and plead not guilty. I am assigned a December court date where my case will be heard and tried. I decide in that moment that I'm going to represent myself. I had watched the practice and Allie McBeal religiously, so I felt fairly confident that I could assemble a strong defense. During the fall of my junior year, I stage manage the fall play, am the captain of the golf team, and the editor of the school newspaper, and I'm secretly dating my first girlfriend. Yet, any free moment I have, I am sitting at the family computer, building my case, typing and retyping questions, imagining responses, click, click, click. The day before my trial, I let my AP history teacher know that I would be missing first period. When he asked why, I said, I have to go defend myself in court. <laughs> I walk into the beige, bland courtroom wearing my favorite outfit, a black swoop neck shirt with olive green pants, holding my pages of notes. I'm joined by my parents and Amy, and I wait until my case number is called. The People versus Lauren Sivak. I take a deep breath and walk to the defendant's table alone. I lay out my papers, my evidence, and I ready myself. Sit up straight, Lauren. I think to myself, deep breaths. You got this. It feels like that moment when you stand at the free throw line and all eyes are on you. My hands clutching the table the way I'd clutch a basketball. 
I reiterate my innocence during opening statements and I call my first witness, my sister Amy. <laughs> How do you know the defendant? She's my sister. And what were you doing that evening? We had stopped at the Dairy Queen on our way home from a softball game. Did the defendant stop at the stop sign in question? Yes. How do you know? We had sat at the stop sign talking about a large onion ring. <laughs> Your Honor, I would like to present Exhibit A, the onion ring in question. I set the uh, Dairy Queen bag on the table. You saved it, the judge asked. Yes, I don't need to see it. It's been in the freezer, Your Honor. It really is as large as we say it is. <laughs> that won't be necessary. I return to my line of questioning. <laughs> Will you have had anything to gain had the defendant gotten a ticket? Yes. How so? I'm not allowed to get my license until I'm 18. Had you been driving reckless, I could have used it to my advantage, but you didn't. You were safe like you always are. <laughs> no more questions, Your Honor. And then the prosecuting attorney begins. So this is your sister? Yes. And you live in the same house? Yes. So she probably gave you the questions in advance. Yes, and did she help you with your responses? She gave me the questions, but we didn't talk about the responses. It's not like we were studying for a test. No more questions, Your Honor. I look at my notes. I would like to call Jeffrey Sivak to the stand. Mr. Sivak, please state your relationship to the defendant. She is my daughter. And Mr. Sivak, how would you describe the defendant? Responsible. Amy explained that she won't be getting her license until she is 18. Why is that? Because I don't think Amy is mature or responsible enough to be behind the steering wheel. Would you please go on? <laughs> when my brother was six years old, he was struck by a car whose driver was not paying attention. I know firsthand what is at stake when someone who shouldn't be behind the wheel is behind the wheel. This haunted my parents for the rest of their lives. My daughter is a safe and cautious driver. If she wasn't, she wouldn't have her license. No more questions, Your Honor. My dad is not cross-examined. <laughs> I take a deep breath. I would like to call Officer Koval to the stand. In my mind, the room gasps, but <laughs> of course there's only silence. <laughs> Do you remember why you pulled the defendant over? She had run through a stop sign. Are you aware that all stop-ahead signs in Hobart had recently been changed from type to images? No. Your Honor, I would like to submit Exhibit B. These are the images taken of the area surrounding the stop sign in question. You'll see several stop-ahead signs that show an image of a stop sign rather than the words, stop ahead. Is it possible that you pulled the defendant over for passing through a stop-ahead sign? No. You're certain? I'm certain. When you pulled over the defendant, you said that you could have given her seven different tickets. Would you please explain yourself? I said several. The question still stands. 
well, you had continued to drive, so I could have given you another ticket for evading a police officer. Two is not several, sir. <laughs> when you pulled over the defendant, you accused her of listening to loud music. Is that true? Maybe. Your Honor, I would like to submit Exhibit C. I pulled out my tape player. The defendant was listening to Ella Fitzgerald's Only You. I would like to play it for the court. That won't be necessary. I return to my line of questioning. <laughs> when you pulled over the defendant, do you remember saying, if you weren't gabbing with your girlfriend and listening to your music loud, maybe you would have seen that stop sign? Uh, maybe. Are you aware that men use the word gabbing to demean a woman talking to another woman? Objection! And the judge looks at the female prosecutor. What? She's frustrated. I continue with my line of questioning. Is it your job to make sure the streets are safe? Yes, which is why. Ah! Thank you. That was a yes or no question. If it is your job to make sure the streets are safe, then why would you leave a 16-year-old girl crying in a parking lot and in an unsafe state to drive home? And he laughs at me again until his laugh is silenced by the judge. Answer her question. I don't know. The defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> now, closing statements. Your Honor, the defense would like to reiterate its innocence, given the new stop-ahead signs, the onion ring, the statements from my witnesses, there is enough substantial evidence to warrant a not guilty ruling. Thank you. <laughs> and that is it. There's no ruling that day, only that the judge will need time to review the evidence. One day turns into one week, one week turns into one month, and then another month, and another. Finally, my dad calls to see if there has yet been a ruling, and it turns out that no news is good news. I continued the rest of my high school career with a clean driving record. I did not major in law, thank you for asking. <laughs> A lifetime later, I can add another layer to this story. In addition to my resilience and victory, there was privilege. A defiant young white presenting woman has a run-in with the police and she takes down the law. The white female judge finds this young woman amusing and non-threatening. This young woman is heard and trusted. It makes for a very different story with a very different ending, doesn't it? This story was produced by Ali Drum, curated by Andrew Riley, directed by Lexi Saunders, and music and sound design by Bridget Whitmer. The Second Story podcast is produced by me, Liboth. Second Story is supported by the MacArthur Fund for Art and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, our 2018 to 2019 season sponsor, Skadden, Arp, Slate, Meager, and Flom, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Livo, and this, this is, is the Second, Second Story Podcast.